0: Eagle Nation, you're listening to Gata Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. Happy New Year, Eagle Nation, and thank you for listening to, I guess we'll call it the season three finale of, of Gata Talk. Uh, Matt here with you as always. Obviously, we took a little bit of a break, a little bit of a hiatus uh, for the holiday season, um, and but we, we certainly hope everyone out there had a great holiday season is uh, you know everyone in eagle nation is having a great start to the new year so far um and you know cody you and i haven't really talked uh you know for i guess what like probably a, a month month and a half now um you know techs here or there um you know after after the bowl game and and with everything that's kind of transpired in the offseason that we'll cover in this uh season finale episode um but you know how how was your holiday how you know how are things
1: yeah it it was fine we had we had great holidays um social distance and in COVID style of course but um, yeah hopefully everybody's healthy and everybody had a great Christmas and holiday Hanukkah Kwanzaa whatever it is that y'all celebrate Um, and New Year and and I um I don't know about you but I'm really cautiously optimistic going into the 2021 season after the way we played in the bowl game and some of these hires that we've made Matt.
0: Yeah. So again, a ton to talk about. We'll try to pack all of that in as much as we can. If you know, you listen to our, our last episode uh, prior to the bowl game. You know, we haven't talked you know about that uh, New Orleans Bowl uh, win uh, yet. So you know that that last episode uh, pushed almost two hours. So you know, our, our longest episode uh, ever. So it's we'll when we we'll top see it. how. This one could We'll We'll see, um, you know, again, we'll try to get in as much as possible. Maybe we split it, uh, you know, up into two episodes if we need to. But, we, you know, we've got kind of our talking points, everything we want to hit on. Like Cody said, coaching changes, kind of offensive overhaul, Doug Roos, uh, you know, being made official as the new offensive coordinator. You have transfer portal. You have guys coming in, guys leaving the program. You have coaching changes throughout the Sun Belt that's notable. You have, um, you know, the, the notable players like, you know, uh you know, leaving, making that official, going to Louisville, uh, you know, what kind of legacy he'll uh, leave here. And then obviously, you know, touching on the bowl game um, and, and and just kind of the um, a recap of the season, um, you know, that was in, in 2020. So a ton to talk about. I do want to first start with a, a bit of news, exciting news. That we are uh, kind of in the baby steps, you know, uh, you know, the first steps of monetizing this podcast. So, you know, basically, what what does that mean? So, nothing really is going to change, uh, you know, as far as you know, we're still going to offer up the same content that we have, um, but hopefully, do more so in the future, uh, kind of more exclusive content. But like I said, early stages of this. So we are uh, we just actually started a PayPal account for us. So it's just, uh, you know, a a small way that if you like what you hear, if you, you know, are either, you know, a long term listener, you know, again, this is uh, season three, we're going into our third uh, kind of calendar year, you know, started it in 2018, um, summer of 2018. So kind of going a third calendar year of it, but going into our fourth uh, season, uh, of have got to talk. So it's crazy, Cody, <laughs> time flies, yep, for sure. Um, and we've learned a lot throughout this process. But we know we've have uh, listeners that have been with us from the start, from the very beginning and has shown us support and we cannot thank you enough uh, for that. I mean, we had people reach out on, on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, asking for an episode, you know, anytime, you know, that we go more than a week or two, uh, you know, it seems that we, we get those, uh, you know, messages of, Hey, when you're, you guys are recording. And, you know, this, this is just kind of a small way that, you know, hopefully our listeners can, can give back a little bit to us. Um, You know, and, you know, this was never about making money. Um, and, and that's remains the case. Uh, you know, we we did this kind of just as a passion project, two dudes that bleed blue and white wanted to offer up something that, you know, didn't exist at the time. And, you know, kind of a new medium to talk about Georgia Southern football, something that we're going to do regardless. And, you know, here we are. And, And we've, we've certainly, again, learned a lot through this process, but you know, this is just kind of the first step in just offering our fans, if they want to take that extra step to, you know, give a little bit back to us, we certainly appreciate it. And that will all be, you know, go right back into this podcast of making the the best possible podcast um, that you could ask for uh, when it comes to bringing on, you know, special guests, when it comes to, you know, equipment to record, when it comes to marketing efforts, uh, you know, do Facebook ads and things like this. And uh, you know, obviously, just the the costs that are involved with running this thing, hosting fees, all this. So, um, like I said, starting a PayPal uh, that is up and live now. So you can find us if you have PayPal. You can uh, search the podcast name, uh, uh, GATA Talk, G A T A Talk, or you can search by the email, GATA Talk Podcast, G A T A T A L K Podcast at Gmail um, that's probably the easiest way to find us through PayPal. The easiest way to kind of donate to us if if you want to is go to our website, gottotalk.com, G-A-T-A-T-A-L-K.com. And on that right sidebar, you'll see a new kind of little uh, widget module there um, saying, you know, do, uh, support your favorite GS podcast with a little yellow donate button. Simply click that donate button. It will take you, uh, take you to our uh, new PayPal page you um, then can donate any dollar amount that that you see fit and and, and no dollar amount is, is too small um, it's a one-time donation uh, you certainly can donate more than once but again you know this uh, the way I see it and and Cody and I've kind of talked about it there's like three like layers to this so you know we we have the the initial support that we've had from everyone and we have a consistent core fan base which we absolutely love and so from there we want to grow this thing you know we, we we want we want this thing to um double if not triple you know in in this next year and we think we can do that we think we're positioned to do that and that starts with you you know that starts with our most loyal listeners um you know not just from a monetization standpoint but just from from support from verbal support you know telling if you like what you hear Tell as many people about it as possible, right? Anyone else who bleeds blue and white, on you know uh, your you know your cousin who's an alumni, your brother-in-law, what have you, um, you know, reach out on social media, you know, share our stuff on on Facebook and Twitter, call, text your you know loved ones who who you know. Uh, your, your tailgate group, right, at, at, at Paulson, the, the people that you sit next to with your season tickets, you know, at, at Paulson that you think might enjoy this, spread the word like that. That is that is kind of the first step that you can take. If you want to go a, a initial step, consider donating to us through the PayPal. And then, you know, future kind of ways of support, you know, again, this is kind of the first step from here, you know, we are uh, exploring opportunities to monetize further where we offer up more. Again, you're not going to get less, you'd only get more where we have more exclusive content, more interviews, things like this, and move into um, kind of a, you know, a tiered subscription based kind of scale uh, to access that additional exclusive content. So that's, again kind of early stages of that but that's the quick rundown of of what we're doing why we're doing it and again we just want to make this the best podcast best georgia southern podcast out there best college football podcast out there and we can only do it with your help so again can't thank everyone enough out there who supported us from the start and this is just yet another way that you can help support us um, through the paypal and again we certainly appreciate anything that you can uh, can spare Yep. Completely agree with that.
1: Um, again, we can't thank you enough. Um, we know with everything that's happened in the past year or so that times may be tough. Again, if you don't feel like you are obligated to do anything, like I said, probably the best way to help is really just to share either through social media, you know, word of mouth, text, you know, whatever, just to get our name out there. So that'll be, you know, if that's, you know, if that's all you can do, then that's fantastic. And that's, that's plenty. Um, but there are other options that Matt just discussed that, um, if you feel, if you feel like you want to, then that, that would be fantastic.
0: Yep, absolutely. So, so yeah, again, got to talk podcast at com is going to be how you would search for us, uh, in PayPal. You can also visit paypal.me. Uh, forward slash gotta talk. So PayPal dot m e slash g a t a t a l k. That will take you straight to that PayPal page again. You can find us on our website got um, on the sidebar yellow donate button. You know, another way just to kind of show your support. We certainly appreciate it. So moving on from there, and we'll we'll have updates obviously as as we go with future episodes of of you know where we stand with that and and uh, you know with with that exclusive content and. Getting that off the ground. So, really excited about that. But moving on, Cody, two business at hand, a lot to cover. Let's start with a bowl game. I don't want to get super kind of in depth granular with it because, you know, what's, what's done is done. I mean, we're not going to cover it like we do. With our kind of weekly, uh, you know, recaps that we do, um, you know, breaking down every single stat and and, and drive and things like that. Look at it at a higher level. Obviously, some some highlights in there. Um, some uh, you know big storylines to talk about. Uh, but 38 to uh, three, uh, you know, victory in the New or- in the RNL carriers carriers New Orleans Bowl against Louisiana Tech. It was the largest margin of victory of the bowl season, and we are the only team in the country to not allow a touchdown defense just played lights out in this game um holding them to three points so you know let's let's kind of start there um you know it 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 was just it was a great game to watch it was a refreshing game to watch right after you know the the theme of the season was just these close ball games whether you know we won more than we lost um but these like one score nail-biter down-to-the-wire ball games uh this wasn't the case you know that this was pretty much in hand from start to finish and it was just kind of great to see and a great way to start uh, you know Christmas week
1: yeah it was Um, it, to me the thing that stood out the most and I saw this on on really the very first defensive play that we had right I think the I think it was Wilson who made the tackle was we just appeared bigger faster stronger than Louisiana Tech and I know that we scored the touchdown drive Right there to open up the game, but after I saw that tackle and just the, the intensity of the defense and just really how Louisiana Tech just could not really do much, right? I know they drove down the field. It was kind of like a bend, dope break, but, you know, we'd get the turnover. We'd get the stop or however it was that they, the offense got the ball back. I just felt like our defense was just so much more quicker, so much more stronger and bigger than, than Louisiana Tech's where was just, you know, fan watching at home from the game. And, you know, that to me was fantastic to See, Now, I don't know if that's because Louisiana Tech had their COVID issue right there in the middle of the season or if our conditioning and our strength has just increased tenfold over the last couple of years with the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, but it it was – it. I finally felt like I could watch a football game and not have a heart attack and not stress at, about it. And I just knew that we were probably going to win that game. So I hope this carries over into the next season.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and that's the biggest thing, right? With with bowl games, it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, you want to win them all. You want to collect those trophies. It's obviously, you know, a recruiting tool, things like this, you know, on a normal year you get, you know, uh, unfortunately we didn't get the full bowl experience, right? You had a limited, you know, capacity, uh, you know, around 3000 Georgia Southern fans, you know, making the trip. Um, you uh, hope that maybe we, we get to go back to that bowl, you know, in the future when, when everything kind of gets back to normal and we can, you know, uh, you know, pack out, you know, that lower bowl of the Superdome and get the full experience of everything New Orleans has to offer, which is a great city, right? Um, you did and get all the bowl festivities and the, the players didn't get to experience that, but you know, the, really, these bowl games. I mean, there's people out there that say, Oh, these are like lower bowls, they don't matter, they do matter. I mean, they, they do matter. Um, but and and I, but I think for the, the you know, the most important thing is that carryover, like you mentioned, right? I think that carryover is the biggest thing where you talk about from 19 to 20 with how we performed, what we showed in the Cure Bowl that was a big letdown. And yeah, it was the, you know, it was final game of the season. You can say, you know, put that to bed and move on, but you're still going to have that like hangover effect, you know, for that entire off season. And, and, you know, you don't have really, you have stuff to, to work on certainly, but you don't have anything like to necessarily build on with this. It's, it's a great building block after everything that we kind of went through um, with kind of the, Struggle that the offense had at times, obviously changing offensive coordinators, you know, Doug Roos getting, you know, his three games to kind of prove himself and then, you know, securing that offensive coordinator role. Um, This was sort of the offense's coming out party defense again played lights out like they had for the majority of the season. And, you know, it, it's just a great stepping stone. It's just a great, um, you know, uh, kind of cannon rocketing into 2021, which hopefully will be an exciting year, you know, a, a more normal year for college football. But, um, you know, one that we can realize our goals as a program to to be, you know, to win another Sunbelt championship, to get to the championship game for the first time um, and to, you know, once again, cement ourselves as one of the, the top teams in, in the Sunbelt Conference. Yeah, and I, you know
1: I I love our fan base, but I think you can really tell what this is—the fourth bowl game. We're we're now three and one. Um, you can kind of tell, just kind of the vibe and the energy going to the off season between a win and a loss, right? I think after each win, the expectations of the fan base, and this is no different, is what you just said. Following, we we should we should be in contention to win, if not win the Sun Belt. Like right? you saw that after the fifteen, uh, Go Daddy Bowl win, you saw that after the. What was it, the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery against Eastern Michigan. You saw that um, after that win, uh, and then you see it here after this. And then you look at the one loss against Kerr Bowl, and you see kind of the disheartening you know, effect across the fan base of, oh, my goodness, we just lost this bowl game. Um, so for those who think that bowl games don't matter in terms of just your fan base reaction and the expectations going into next year and where the coaches on our hot seat or not on hot seat and expectations and and, and all that, it, it certainly does matter. And I don't think that can be underestimated that right now going into this next season, there are very high expectations, very high goals. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this team approaches that uh, with the coaching s- staff and and their decisions, especially with the offense, and to see how the defense maintain, maintains their dominance that they had really the
0: last 10 games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So from a storyline standpoint, I think, you know, without question, the biggest storyline of the New Orleans Bowl was the return of shy words, obviously missing shocked. um, I was kind of shocked by that. Yeah. Shocked. I mean, we, you know, we, if you listen to last episode where we previewed the game, everyone was expecting miller mosley it was going to be the miller miller mosley show maybe shy dresses but you know and maybe we see him but i don't think anyone really expected him to walk out of that tunnel as as the starter you know and and um with you know justin tomlin ruled out we we thought you know we were going to rely on defense see what miller mosley could do with you know full you know week of practice with the first team and all that and and you know rely on the running game that sort of thing to to get the victory but you you saw shy come out and you've, you you kind of could just sense that like it was going to be special it, it was energy. going to be a special game right. it was it, yeah you you saw it and not and not just with offense right just with the entire team you saw that that juice right that that juice factor that swagger that frankly we've lacked you know at times this season and and you know in um in, in past seasons uh where we kind of come out flat we didn't in this game and i think the fact that shy words started was a big factor in that and you know obviously he had a game for the ages you know what one of uh, you know his maybe not his best game of his career, but but certainly ranks up there. Seventeen for twelve passing, hundred and twenty six yards and a touchdown. Fifteen rushes, seventy one yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know it's just a, a dominant effort. Um, like like you said, I mean, I, from from really like the first play, first try, you could kind of tell that Louisiana didn't really have an answer um, for a lot of the things that we were trying to do. And you know, I, I think it threw them off. You know, I, I don't know when. You know the the rumor mill and all that. It it uh from the uh, you know interviews with Lunsford said that it was kind of a, a game time right before decision. We don't know if that's true. We don't know. You know, uh it yeah, may, maybe yeah. a little bit more time went into it, right? But um but as will, as far as we know, I will say yeah.
1: this though they did admit, and and you were right on this in the in the preview of the bowl game that they did admit that Shai did have a shoulder injury pretty much for the majority of the season. Yeah. And you called that out right before. So kudos to you on that because you know, obviously we knew that shoulder was injured after the army game, but to hear them kind of admit that, that this has been a lingering effect for the entire season was, was pretty kinda kinda uh revealing. Yeah, so I think you, you get you need some kudos on that one because
0: you did call it out well thank you I mean I, I think it was clear that he hasn't been a hundred percent and that's not a knock on him at all you know no, but no, I, no, I think not. just from watching you could tell from from watching him hundred percent he hasn't been a hundred percent the entire year he just wasn't and that doesn't mean that he hasn't had uh, great games and couldn't do you know uh, things that other quarterbacks we have maybe couldn't do at this point you know in their career but you know, he he hasn't been 100% in any of the games that he he's played. And he kept kind of re-aggravating that shoulder because of the nature in which he plays. You know, he is a baller. He he, he grinds out. You know, he's not afraid to take a hit. Um, you know, and and that's going to happen. Um, so it was a lingering injury. It kept getting re-aggravated. He missed the final two games of the season. We felt that, you know, that was probably done, like I said, if he was – I thought that if he wasn't going to come back, that it would have been for the App State game and not the bowl game, possibly both, Um, you know, depending on what happened with the shoulder. Obviously he got more rest this way. Um, But, you know, talking about the importance of the bowl game, and that kind of shows you, you know, I mean, this ended up being his last game uh, that, you know, we'll get into that in a second, the whole play in blue and white. Right. And, and, you know, but you, we kind of expected like if he was going to make that triumph from, return it would be against our arch rival in app state in a big game instead of uh in the bowl game but but that's that's the way it played out and i mean he he certainly you know held up his end of the bargain uh with with the game that he played so um moving with that you know again this ended up being his final game um for for georgia southern and obviously you know four-year starter He uh, just reading through some of these like career accolades here, these coming from the voice of uh, George Southern Eagles, Daniel Reed. I tweeted it out shortly after the New Orleans Bowl. Um, I'm just going to touch. I'm not going to go through the whole list, just touch on some of the big highlights. So 34 passing touchdowns, um, he ended up tying Tracy Hamm for for uh, number one in Georgia Southern history there. He is uh, number three in uh, completions with 301, uh, number three in career completion percentage, 57%. And then, uh, you know, big one here, number two in Georgia Southern history in career yards, a total offense with 6,860. And we talked about the four-year starter started 46 career games, uh, third in Georgia Southern history. Um, so, you know, really, you know, with his rushing stats, uh, he's sixth amongst GS quarterbacks with 11 career 100 uh, yard rushes. Um, he obviously set the you know, sunbelt record for a quarterback uh, rushing um, this year. The legacy of shy words, you know, I, I think, you know, as, as he's headed to Louisville, I don't think we mentioned that yet. So obviously he, uh, shortly after the, the bowl, we started to see kind of the the dominoes fall with kind of everyone on the team who's returning, who's not, um, who's declaring for the NFL, who's entering the transfer portal. And we'll touch on all that. in uh, you know, uh, our next segment, but with, with shy, you know, a lot of people felt like this was pro- he was probably done. You know, you, you have whether he just hangs it up, whether he tries to go directly into the NFL uh, with a position change or maybe he enters a transfer portal and tries to, you know, change positions and leverage himself for, you know, a pro career at a different place. Um, that ended up, you know, the latter became the truth. So going to Louisville – Playing under uh, Satterfield, who you know recruited him at uh, App State, right? He you know was going there kind of as, a, as an athlete, as a wide receiver, and certainly wish him nothing but the best. And excited to see you know that position change and what he can bring um, to that offense and, and playing against you know power five competition in the ACC with him just his legacy you know I want to talk about this Cody is like where his legacy stands here I had said on this podcast I think it was maybe in the season preview one of the season preview episodes we did that he had that I thought this was going to be a breakout year for shy words and not to say that it wasn't I don't think that it would quite lived up to like what it could have I think the injury had a lot to do with that right and and just just our other situations you know injuries to the offense across the board losing a bunch of running backs but but I said in the earlier episode that shy could potentially submit himself as one of the greatest to ever play the position at Georgia Southern obviously that's a tall task we've had really good quarterbacks that have played here you know I think it's safe to say that you know that didn't become the case, you know. I think, you know, no one's really going to argue that like Tracy Ham is still kind of that like pinnacle that Georgia Southern quarterbacks are, are striving to be. I mean, his his name's on the stadium for a reason, right? But that does not diminish the legacy that Shy Wertz has left at Georgia Southern. And to me, I ran through those where he ranks in the history books and stuff. And you know, the only one where he's number one, tied for number one, is the passing touchdowns. But he has done so much for this program that I think you could argue that he is one of the most important quarterbacks to ever play at Georgia Southern. Just because of everything he went through on and off the field, everything that this program went through while he was here, all the coaching changes... You know, the, the dark years under um, Summers, uh, you know, just uh, helping us, you know, further transition into FBS football after that kind of like honeymoon phase where we, you know, had had things really good, you know, in, in those first two years under Fritz. He's just been such an important cog in this machine um, that I, I think that needs to be recognized. And I just can't say enough about it. Well, I think that's why he will go
1: down as at least a top 5 quarterback in this program right now is I've never seen a, an individual player especially one at the quarterback position go through as much adversity on and off the field that he has gone through and he stuck with it. I mean he stuck with us from the the redshirt year when he sat out against uh, in 2016 right that that was had very high expectations just for the team overall that did not come anywhere close to meeting them. Um You saw him take over in 2017. Again, that was a very disappointing year. The, he obviously knew what happened. Lunsford came in. He became the head coach. He then helped transfer from the Summers era over to this Lunsford era, and he did it fantastic. Uh, he did a fantastic job doing that. He gave stability to the most important position on the football field at a time in our program history where stability was very hard to come by, right? And you can say the same thing for Lunsford. Lunsford, you know, him and Lunsford, I think, together, when we look back at this period of of football history at this university 10 years from now, you'll look back and you say, if it wasn't for Lunsford and if it wasn't for Shy Wirtz, who knows how terrible or how bad this program could have gotten without the stability of a fantastic young man at quarterback and a fantastic man at coach with Chad Lunsford. Yep. I agree um, with that. So you're right. He may not have all the wins. He may not have gotten the conference championship that we hoped And pretty much we all feel like he deserved to have at least held up over his head one time, yep. but he did get us two bowl wins. He led us to three bowls. He played through as much injury as you could expect a young man to play for or play through at the collegiate level. Um, he has been a leader among men, both on and off the field. When you look at his off the field responsibilities and and his volunteer and acts of yeah, service, yeah, the D- that he D- D- Danny
0: Werfel Award yep. uh, finalist finalist. Yep. Yeah. Um, I you
1: you start really yeah he may not have the most you know eye thing, you know, eye jarring stats eye, yeah. eye jarring st- or the most you know. Eye-jarring, I would say, even victories, right?
0: Accolades, yeah. Yeah. Like on-the-field accolades, yeah.
1: But you start looking at his longevity. Yep. He played what, what probably what started the most games or close to it for Number three, yeah, number, number three, three, yeah, 46 so top career three, starts. Top three in starts. You look at a lot of the, the quarterback categories that you're going to go through, he's going to be in top five in all of that.
0: Yeah, the passing categories he's top five, and yeah. and all of them, and then rushing he's he's up there in, in five, you know, top five, top ten.
1: Yeah. So again, he's I honestly I think he's probably the most important quarterback that we've had in this program, just looking at the overall big picture of it since Tracy Hale.
0: I agree. I agree. That that was I mean yeah that that, yeah, th- know, that, that was short I, you and you sweet, know, but yeah, I mean that was basically the point I was trying to make. You yeah. know yeah. I think and and. and there's so much more to And that's not taking anything away from the Jason Foster's. No, there's and not. the there's Upshaws not. and the Ellisons and the J.R. Reveres and the Greg Hills, right? That's not taken no. away from those guys. You look and you I mean, look at the offseason stuff. He had his grandmother's house that burned down one season. He
1: had the false arrest um that came right before the season started in nineteenth that you I mean, anybody who who would go through that would have issues dealing with that afterwards, yet he had to go to school and play football. The, the mental strength that it took to do that is unreal. And then his last year here, he, he had to go through all the COVID stuff that everybody's going through. I mean, again, you look at everything this adversity, 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 and he overcame it all. Yeah. And he gave stability to, again, our program at the most important position. Again, most important quarterback, I think, to this program, Tracy Ham. Shy words. Yeah, because Tra-
0: Tracy Tracy helped transition us into the power that you know we, we yeah. were right. Yep, and and helped kind of make Irk. Um, and I mean Irk obviously was a household name before, but I mean he helped submit his legacy. He helped uh, Johnson, you know, submit his right. it was. He he was very important at that time, um, but yeah, I feel like there was that big gap. Not to take anything away from all the the players that played that position in that time frame, But then you get to this, where, like you said, the stability where if, if he didn't, if he just said, you know, screw it. And, and, you know, we're, we're going to leave, which he could have, you know, I mean, like the, the transfer portal has existed, right? I mean, he, he could have yeah. left, he could have hung it out. he could have said, you know, I'm going to go play a different position. I'm going to go, maybe go to FCS. I'm going to, you know, play quarterback there, whatever. Right. He did not He stuck with us. And no one knows what would have happened if he left, but I don't think anyone's going to argue that it would have been a worse place. It, it, would, it would have been, you know, we we wouldn't have seen the success that we have seen. We wouldn't certainly wouldn't have had that stability. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for Lunsford, if it wasn't for Shy works, they were such an important, uh, again, kind of cog, you know, in 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 the wheel of 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 you know transitioning us away from what was going down really, you know, a bad path, <laughs> we, yeah. we, you know, with Summers, and he helped navigate that storm. And it wasn't always pretty at times, and there was a lot of stuff, you know, on and off the field, but he held his head high through all of it. And I think that, you know, speaks volumes. And it, 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 it you know, I think matters just as much as as those, you know, it's, it's something that a lot of, like, it, analysts it and stuff aren't going to talk yeah. about. But no, but when you're looking you back, yeah.
1: Yeah, you can't pull that up in a database, right? Right. Some of the off the field and leadership qualities that he. And I mean, like I said, when you put the entire picture together, it goes Tracy Ham, it goes shy words. Yeah. Stats wise, yeah, you're right. There could be three or four other quarterbacks that may have a better stat in this particular category or whatever. Everything this young man did for this program, everything that he, he stood for standing by the university, standing through the hardships. I mean, honestly, if Shy would have left after 2017, who would have had a quarterback? Right. Anthony, Cato Brown. Sure, they probably could have ran the offense, but it wouldn't have been nowhere near as smooth or as easy of a transition for Bob DeBest in 18. Yep. Again and we'll get bit to this, this is really the first year in 2021 we're actually going to have legit depth at the quarterback position. Let's also yeah. remember that too. We will, we will, yeah. The past, the past four years, there has not been any depth at the quarterback position. You had Wertz, and yeah, Justin Tomlin has been a great surprise for us the last two seasons with how well he's played. But we really didn't know much about Justin Tomlin or how he would handle the position if he we had to come play. Yeah, yep. So, again, him staying here, like I said, I, I think this is going to be something in which, especially the next few years, if we really hit high, uh, success levels and really hit some, some lofty goals, which I think we're capable of, you're going to have to say the reason is big reason is shy. Worth staying and navigating through kind of this rough era that we just went through with our football program.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, from from there, I mean, there's not much to say, um, but you know, we wish him nothing but the best. You know, certainly we'll be following his career at Louisville. Oh yeah, um, I hope I hope he gets three four touchdowns
1: every game at Louisville, and he gets to be a, a top NFL pick. I mean, we will we're definitely gonna cheer for the young man. Yeah, and, sure. and
0: and once that shoulder gets you know healed and, and with off season and everything, I mean, you know, you you talk about a guy that was recruit, you know, he was recruited. By Clemson to possibly go there as as a defensive back, right? I mean, he he had some some offers and some looks. Elsewhere, he chose to come to Georgia Southern. He was recruited by App State with Satterfield, right? But he chose to Definitely. come to Georgia Southern and play quarterback, and he stuck with it, and And we're better off for it. And now, you know, as he transitions to a new school and a new position, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch because the kid is is dynamic. Um, I mean, you talk about, you know, we've used the analogy uh, with uh, Wesley Kennedy of, of uh, Swiss Army Knife. That That's shy words. You know, we've used him as a quarterback, but he, we we know that he's more than capable of playing multiple positions, and, and really, yep. really excited to see how that transitions to the Power Five level, and how ultimately, you know, hopefully, it transitions into NFL. So, um, from that, let's go into the coaching changes. So, we've obviously touched on this. Some um, um, the big one here, obviously, you know, it's offensive now, overhaul. This could be a lengthy conversation.
1: It could, it could. So <laughs> it let, let's
0: could. let's get into it. So, the the big one here of it is offensive overhaul. Um, starts with Doug Roos. Uh, You know he coaches last. Uh, you know three games of the season after the um, the Georgia State game. Uh, Bob DeBest being let go. And it got progressively kind of better uh, you know especially after that New Orleans uh, Bowl and 38 to3 victory I think everyone knew the writing was on the wall he was gonna be the guy you know there was still some speculation of maybe you know do we still do the search and all this but it was just kind of a waiting game um, then you know shortly after uh, a week or so you know he he was officially announced I don't even, yeah I don't even know if it was a week yeah I don't even board, yeah I um, say all that with the holidays and stuff just kind of all, yeah, no, all, no, all no, a blur yeah, so much so much had happened yeah so much has happened which is why we kind kind of waited so long to, to cover this because we knew if we did an episode directly following the bowl game, it would be stale and and then and, and, uh, stagnant right away, right? Uh, because, I mean, it seemed like every week there was something between transfer portal and coaches and all this. So Doug Roos gets in as offensive coordinator, then it's a matter of where the dominoes fall. We find out, you know, there are dismissals at the wide receiver coach position uh, and the offensive line uh, position with uh, with Hudson. We, um, you know, then obviously have to fill those positions, so we bring in, uh, you know, Nick Jones. Um, so we bring in Nick Jones, Derek Sherman, and Geep Wade. Uh, so that's going to be your, your t- Jeep Wade is it Jeep. Oh, it is Jeep. Yeah. Jeep like yeah. the car. It's All Jeep. right. Jeep. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Wade. Um, <laughs> coach, Wade. coach Wade. My God. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so Nick Jones, Derek Sherman and Jeep Wade. So, um, they're going to serve as, uh, um, tight ends, special teams, uh, coordinator for Nick Duke Jones. <laughs> um, Derek Sherman's going to be the wide receiver <laughs> coach. And Coach Wade is going to be the offensive line uh, coach. So, um, you know, let's kind of talk about these three gentlemen and kind of their their background and what's kind of interesting about that. Um, you know, I guess starting off with uh, – we can start with Derek Sherman. So he obviously um, comes back uh, to Georgia Southern, uh, you know, spent some time here in the past. Um, he, uh, will be, like I said, the wide receivers coach. He comes from Samford. So the interesting thing with him is he's got connections to two former Georgia Southern coaches. So he was coaching at Samford under Chris Hatcher. He spent time at Tulane under, uh, Fritz
1: and here at Southern, he was here and here at Southern. Fritz. Yeah. Yeah. He,
0: he was here, here with Fritz at Southern, which obviously uh, transitioned to Tulane. Um, he also spent, uh, had some overlap with Roos. At Tulane, right? So obviously that relationship is there. Um, but yeah, ve- very interesting that like he's he spent the last uh, you know couple years at, at Sanford. He was uh, the wide receivers, uh, I think wide receivers running back. Co or he was a,
1: he was their wide receivers coach for the uh, in
0: I think 2019 and possibly And was going to be years. the offensive coordinator this year but obviously Samford as uh, um, along with not a lot of game. other yeah FCS teams did not play um, so he never actually he officially he is you know he he came from Samford as their offensive coordinator and running backs coach um, but he never actually got to coach a game um, in that title. But yeah, really excited about this. It's interesting because, you know, you talk, especially when you're you're looking at it on, on face value of being the offensive coordinator, but even just coaching the wide receivers there. We know Hatcher, right? We know uh, yep. his style of offense and how different it is from ours. So, you know, that is eye opening in a, in a way. Cause I mean, you know, maybe it's a little bit reading too much into it, but obviously they, they throw the ball a lot, a lot more than we're accustomed to. Um, you know, they're, they're pass heavy kind of air raid offense. That's what Hatcher does. So we know this guy can coach wide receivers because wide receivers are, are a crucial part of that program or that, that offense and scheme. Um, and I think and it's, it's clear also that he knows
1: the expectation here at Southern too, because he right. coached wide receivers under the the Ruse option that under in fourteen and fifteen.
0: And he was and he was at uh, Tulane. He was at, he was at Tulane. Yeah. 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 So so you know being there under Fritz, he he has kind of a good blend of these different disciplines and principles and schemes and all this kind of. So I'm really excited about this hire. I think it's great. Anytime we can bring a coach back, um, you know that wants to be here, you know, the, the fact that they're coming back I think says that. You know, they know what they're getting into usually. Um and you know the you, you think of guys like Cabral, right? That are just they are they're, they're well, itching to get say, back in the program.
1: Cabral was also hired away
0: from Sanford. He was. Yep. So And that worked out pretty well. That has worked out really well. So so yeah, so I mean really excited about this. Obviously, you know, I think we we touched on it in the last episode, you know, talking about recruiting, talking about guys like James Graham coming in, transfer from Georgia Tech. We want to evolve the passing game. That doesn't mean that we're going to completely abandon what we do. I think Roos has made it clear, and and by securing him as offensive coordinator, I think we kind of know what to expect, but you're going to see some evolutions, I'm sure, um, where we try to get a little bit more of a balanced offense and establish our passing attack, where it's legitimate where it's a legitimate threat frankly where you know we can mix that in and still be able to you know and that will open up the run um so you know our, our bread and butter I, th- I think this is a great hire to get our wide receivers and we'll talk about that with the transfer portal we have some key wide receivers enter the transfer portal we also um But we got a lot of talent returning as well. We have a lot of talent returning. Yeah. Let's
1: let's also say that. Yeah, we do. Yes, it's disappointing that some of the seniors have left, obviously, but I don't blame them. I don't have – you know, to me it makes sense. But let's not overreact as a fan base because there's still quite a lot of talent across all all position groups, but including the wide receiver position group. Yeah. So –
0: so so yeah, so uh just really excited about uh Sherman coming in, um what he's going to bring both to, you know, route running, blocking is a big thing obviously when it comes to to our run game, um getting that buy-in from the wide receivers to to want to block, but also just having more crisp routes, having, you know, I've I've said before on this podcast that I think the 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 crucial next step for our offense and our scheme is to establish a short to intermediate passing game, something that we can operate at a high clip, um, high efficiency. I think if we can get that going and, you know, incorporating some wrinkles, some elements of Hatcher style, which is that right. Getting the ball laterally, uh, you know, in, in, in space really quick with the, the screen passes, the bubble screens. If we can establish some semblance of that with like a bubble screen type deal with Rus's based spread, uh, you know, rushing attack, will be unstoppable. I mean, that, you know, because we have the playmakers, like we said, both wide receivers, slot guys, uh, you know, running backs that can catch the ball, um, and, you know, and, and Wright and J.D. King, these guys, that if we can get them in space and whether it's on a pitch, a handoff, or, you know, a quick, uh, you know, pass um, and, and and just utilize their speed and athleticism, I think we'll be a very powerful offense. So I'm really excited about this hierarchy
1: yeah it it on paper it looks like it's a great hire it's it's a a former coach that has been here he knows the standards he knows the expectations i i agree with you this this uh, let me just be frank the the three hires you just mentioned i think are fantastic hires and we'll get into why this one i think you're right it, he he is capable of coaching this receiver group into a more evolved offense going from let's just say 90 percent run to maybe something that's more along the lines of 60 40 or 70 30. Um, and you're right, I think with this time at, uh, Sanford under Hatcher, this probably, you know, allowed him to have a, a, a I guess a, a different, um,
0: perspective uh, kind of on the yes, position. Yes, there group, you
1: yeah. go. Yeah. Yes. And, and broaden his knowledge more, especially with the, like you said, the air rate system that Hatcher, um, implements. So, you know, it, it'll be, I think the, the interesting thing is to see how, Ruse implements passing more in his offense. Right. Um, and I think that's going to be a great way to to go into the Coach Wade's hire because he also was an offensive coordinator Correct. from UT Martin. And I've watched one UT Martin game on YouTube <laughs> uh, from the previous <laughs> season just to kind of get an idea as to what offense he ran. Um, and it's very similar to, I think, a Hatcher style, very passing. Pass happy, shotgun style, no huddle motion, and you know not really bleeding the the play clock down. It's it's go up to the line, get the play, uh, you know assess the defense. Maybe they do a, an audible or call something else, and then boom, go. And then you look at kind of his previous stints as offensive line coaches elsewhere. Not really what you would say, I guess, an, an option resume, but a resume in which he's had very productive offensive lines that have allowed a lot of passing yards allowed a lot of rushing yards and have been top 25 in a lot of categories wherever he's been yeah
0: aver- averaged more than 400 yards as yep. uh oc at ut martin also spent time at ecu and middle tennessee where i know at least at ecu they had top 25 offense uh and while marshall. he was there yeah uh and, and yeah and marshall um so yeah top 25 uh in in averaging you know over uh 400 yards at at, at those places so very impressive yeah
1: very impressive so I think this kind of opens up, like you, what you mentioned, is a broader topic of conversation, is what exactly is this offense going to look like yep. going into 2021? We have the highest-rated quarterback, you know, highest-rated recruit at quarterback that we've ever had here at the university. James Graham, yeah. Uh, James Graham. Um, you have talent at wide receivers. You have talent at running back. We haven't gotten into the those who are returning yet, but you have a lot of players returning on the offensive line. You mentioned the – kind of incorporating like a a hatcher I mean the bubble screens a short passing attack um, th- the more that I think about it I'm almost kind of wondering if it's not going to be almost like a Baltimore Ravens style of offense right the run game is very you know read option option heavy where they run misdirection who's going to have the ball great blocking up front obviously running is a big part of their game but they still have the passing concepts that allow them to attack downfield yep. and they utilize the tight ends a lot. You know, Mark Andrews is very good at the Baltimore. I think we have very talented tight ends that are coming back. Even, you know, if they come back healthy. Yep. You know, I, I think the evolution of this offense and what it can be next year should make the fan base very excited of what the possibilities could be in the 2021 season. Key is though, can Ruse and company put in their plan and their offense like you would normally typically have in a football season during spring practice, you know, kind of get in the film room, have your meetings like you typically would, or is COVID gonna shut down a lot of that stuff and you're not gonna be able to do it until June, July or August?
0: Right. Yeah, and we we have a lot of like early enrollees, uh, you know, which is good to see. Yeah, we do um, James James Graham being one of them. Um, right, so you know, having those guys in to learn the playbook, learn the system, getting these, you know, new coaches in to, you know, throw in their wrinkles and everyone get kind of aligned with their, you know, philosophies and things like that. Um, and uh, on the same page, that's going to be good. You, yeah. You bring up a good point about COVID as something, obviously everyone's going to have to face, but let's hope, you know, things get better where, yeah, you we're actually able to have an off season. Cause, cause you're right. I mean, with last year we saw it, you know, teams, You know, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I assume um, that if you look at teams that were kind of in transition, right, with like a new offensive scheme or just new coaches, you know, new head coach, things like that, they probably didn't do as well just because there wasn't enough time to, you know, uh, implement those things, right? I mean, it, it just wasn't conducive to, um, you know just the, the environment and, and the zoom meetings and all this kind of stuff um yep. it, you're you're better off having something that was um, well established that you're kind of doing the same things um you know for the third fourth straight year uh, and everyone's just kind of bought in this you know on a, from the offensive standpoint it, yeah it's going to be a lot it's going to be a learning curve let's hope that you know the 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 world um that we move into kind of post covid where it's an easier transition where, where, you know, the kids are able to, to get in the same room with each other. All the coaches are able to get in the same room. We're able to get on the field, uh, you know, earlier and and more often, uh, than we were last off season and, uh, and implement this stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that takes us to the final coach, which is, uh, Nick Jones, um, tight end special teams coordinator. Uh, you know, he spent, he was a four year letterman at UGA. Uh, He, uh, comes to us from the Atlanta Falcons so NFL experience he's going to need at least two dunks in eagle creek right right exactly just <laughs> wash that off wash off the stench yes. <laughs> um but but yeah i mean he was he was uh you know he was a good player at UGA he uh came it comes to us from the Falcons um he was uh offensive assistant for the offensive line Uh, With the Falcons, he was the uh, co-spent 2019 as the co-special teams coordinator and tight ends coach at Colorado State, 2018 as the tight ends coach at Air Force, so option-based offense there. And then uh, before that, six-year stint at Coastal Carolina back when they were uh, FCS, and he uh, directed the Chanticleers um, to significant success on special teams. They were uh, number one FCS ranking in punt coverage in 2015. Um, They just allowed one uh, punt return uh, for no gain uh, during that that year. So, you know, special teams was something. Obviously, we'll touch on tight ends. Special teams was something that, um, you know, left something to be desired this year. I mean, you know, especially in the latter half of the season, that's not just talking about, uh, you know, the kicking game and, and, and field goals and things like this. Just collectively, special teams, we saw that there were some issues there. And a big part of it, you know, you talk about stability. We didn't have a true special teams coordinator. Obviously, Coach Lunsford has that background. He was special teams coordinator before for us. But he's got his hands tied being the head coach. Um, so this was kind of the first year that we didn't have that title on the coaching staff, right? I mean, you, you had uh, guys that had those responsibilities, um, but you didn't have a, 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 a true special teams coordinator. Um, so I think bringing that in, bringing in a guy with experience at multiple locations, um you know, and with a lot of success is is obviously, you know, a step in the right direction. Um, You know, when I'm talking about improvements that are needed, again, not just, you know, field goal kicking, I'm talking things like, uh, you know, kickoff returns, punt returns. Obviously, we had some electrifying punt returns, both from Caleb Hood and Wesley Kennedy. Uh, But we also saw, you know, some headlapses some some mistakes of 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 when to you know uh return the ball when not to return it when to let it bounce to the end zone or, or go out of bounds when and when to field it just some fundamental things uh when it comes to the return game also uh coverage kickoff coverage um punt coverage you know we saw you know us get burned you know a few times by teams there and then uh finally outside of you know field goal kicking is uh Kickoffs, um, you know, just uh, we, we we talked about losing Tyler Bass. We knew obviously we were going to have, you know, a, a gap in a learning curve um, when it comes to just having that weapon to score points. But I think a lot of people didn't realize, you know, how much of a drop off we might have when it comes to uh, kickoffs and the ability to um, back teams up and kick the ball through the end zone for touchbacks. So, you know, that that is just it's it's a it's a big thing, and it's it's something that we didn't always see, you know, consistently this year. Um, and we are bringing in more kickers, you know, we got a highly uh, ranked kicker from, you know, the, um, Savannah area, I believe, um, in, uh, in this latest, um, in the, in the fall recruiting period. But, yeah. Draft class. Yeah. Draft class. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, excited about there, I, but, but bringing in, uh, Nick Jones, um, again, a ton of experience in a lot of places, that I think um, you'll you'll definitely see some improvements in those areas I mentioned.
1: Yeah, you you really hit on the special teams aspect of it for his responsibilities. Tight ends, though, I think can be just as crucial. Yes. Um, if Bo Jackson comes back healthy, I think who was it? Is it Hancock, Chase Hancock? I think he was injured. Yep. I think if he comes back healthy. Um, Pelkinson, I think you have, right? Yeah, yep. He's a young man. Yep. He wasn't injured. No. Um, and he and he saw the, the great freshman run that he True had. freshman, yep. right? I believe. True yep. freshman. Yep um he'll be coming back you have a lot of talent at that position I know that we just got a recruit from the Valdosta area that he has appears to at least be the side and speed Um, I don't think 247 has updated the the recruiting rankings on him yet but he seems to be a pretty um athletic young man that could also go into that tight end position as well again this gets into a lot of what what we don't know what exactly the full evolution of Doug Ruse's offense is going to be when it comes to passing but there is significant talent at that position to where if you wanted to use a tight end as a weapon in the passing game, it is there, and I think it should be used, um, especially if Bo Jackson comes back healthy. He is an athlete, and he is a phenomenal athlete at that. Uh, obviously, he had the misfortune of the of the Louisiana game for that one play, but I think if you look at it from the positive end of it, it shows really the not only his capabilities— But it shows just how much of a weapon he can be used, and if, goodness gracious, the defense has to worry about him in the passing game, you just keep on adding things that the defense is going to have to worry about, have to worry about, and if they overcompensate on Bo Jackson, then it's going to leave something else open, whether it's another receiver, slot receiver, or the run game open, and that's only going to benefit the offense to where it's going to cause more confusion among opposing defenses, and it's going to just make our offense that much more better yeah
0: yeah absolutely i agree with that so um i mean anything else to touch on there i think we pretty much covered
1: no but i think you have to give the coaching staff um kudos in the bowl game because uh you mentioned the kickoff coverage i don't know if you noticed but you could tell that there was a different formation on kickoff coverages and it had improved um greatly as far as louisiana tech's ability to return uh, kickoffs. Um, you didn't really see. I know you had, I think, the one punt return there, but um, I think if you go back and look at it, there's a pretty clear block in the back, if not a hold on that play. Um, that oh, there was not was. called. Yeah, it was. It was blatant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think kudos to to Lunsford and the staff for for really hammering that down before the bowl game. You could tell that that was obviously a clear priority for them. Um, and I believe going into 2021, you have this new coach that's coming in who should take over but i believe you're going to see a real emphasis in the offseason on special teams and you obviously have beck returning so you think the punt game's going to be pretty good um the biggest question though that we have is long snapper yeah, yeah with Ryan right? Langan. so yeah. that's Ryan th- that's going to yep. be all american you're going to have to kind of watch yep all american um going to the nfl um don't know if he'll be drafted probably will be like a what an undeclared or an, drafted. Un, undraft, free yeah, un, undrafted
0: free agent, um, prefer what, yeah, whatever they call it. I mean, he'll, he'll definitely I mean, yeah. obviously long snappers usually don't get drafted, um, but they I teams are targeting him. I agree. I, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. 100% yeah, teams yeah. are
1: targeting him. Um, four years, no bets, snaps. He's definitely gonna get picked up by yep. somebody. Um, So, again, you know, we talk about Bass and how we took for granted the ability for him to kick the ball in the end zone, all the you know, for every kickoff pretty much. I think the same thing we're going to have to watch next season, too, with long snapping. You're going to have to see, you know, is there consistency there? Um, Obviously, I don't think we should hold the long snapper next year to the same standard as Ryan Langland. But, you know, you want to at least have somebody there that, you know, can get the ball from the line of scrimmage to the punter or the field goal kick holder um, consistently and without error. Yep. So we'll see how that battle goes. We'll see, I think, to me, of anything else, that needs to be the main priority in the in the offseason is securing that position and making sure whatever fundamentals need to be taught or improved upon, they do it so that when, you know, Gardner-Webb comes into town beginning of September— we should be. Fine. Yeah,
0: because it's easy to take those things for granted. It is, right? I mean, especially with positions like, is. yeah, spe- I mean, kicker. Yes, a lot of times the non sexy the uh, non sexy positions. positions, and even even with positions like kicker outside of field goals, things you know like kicking the ball in the end zone. But yeah, especially long snapper. No one is. I mean, even even the deepest uh, you know football analysts aren't talking about long snappers. You know, but I mean, it's such a it's such an important role um, to making the whole special teams unit. Work. Right. And I mean, you know, a lot of times you'll see blame placed on the kicker or on the punter on, on some of these things when maybe it is the long snapper, you know, not getting the ball off quick yeah. enough, not having, you know, having it too high, too low, you know, off to the side, whatever. the, the it's, it's often overlooked. You only notice it when things go bad. You know, it's one of those things. Um, you you never really give it. Oh, what a great snap! You know, <laughs> but 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 yeah. you, you always yeah. notice it. Oh, why is he snapped it over his head? You know, three straight times, right? So, um, so yeah. So it, it hopefully we can secure that um, because that position long snapper really kind of makes the rest of the special teams unit run. I mean, it it, it really does. Yeah, it does. Um, so. I guess from there, uh, we will transition into the transfer portal. So, um, and when I say transfer portal, when I say transfer portal, we're going to kind of group everything together, you know, guys leaving guys declaring for the NFL guys entering the transfer portal ones that we already know, like shy words that have already, um, you know, are official that they are leaving, um, and are, uh, you know, secured, you know, their spot with the other team. Um, and then uh, guys, what I say? Guys that are also returning, that have declared. So obviously, you know, uh, you, everyone probably knows the backstory, but real quick, um, obviously with the COVID year, you get uh, NCAA granting um, an extra year of eligibility. Across the board, that applies to everyone, right? Not just seniors, um, not just fifth-year fifth seniors, everyone across the board, extra year of eligibility. We've touched on this podcast of like, what what's the long-term effects of that? You know, what, what could happen, you know, when it comes to recruiting and, 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 and spots and extra scholarships and the money that goes into that um, of, you know, is, is that going to lead to smaller recruiting classes for a couple years, you know, depending on how many guys come back. Um, so that's what this ultimately amounts to. Obviously, we've had guys enter the transfer portal in the past before COVID. We've had guys declare for the NFL in the past. Um, but, you know, the key difference here is the ability for some of these guys, especially the seniors that were done with their eligibility, to have the opportunity to and return. there's no penalty. There's no too. penalty. Yeah, it's so that's – exactly. Yeah, good point. So with transferring, the reason why we're seeing so many people enter the transfer portal, first off, it is not a us problem, right? Everyone is experiencing this. No. Across the board, throughout the country, everyone is seeing – an influx of players enter the transfer portal from multiple positions. So it's not... So stop yeah, the panic. Yeah, stop the panic. Stop, yeah. Stop the, the pan- t- Matt, Matt right. stop I, panicking. Yes, I, I am... <laughs> so, yeah, put... I will stop put it. my tinfoil hat away, right? It's it's not it's not something <laughs> going on with the coaching staff. It's nothing internal that we should be alarmed about. Ultimately, right now, if my count is right, we have eight guys. Eight guys that are declared or that, that have entered the transfer portal. Some things to keep in mind here is one, it doesn't necessarily mean mean they're leaving we have seen people enter the transfer portal before and come back now that obviously you know there's some decisions that have to be made there uh you know with them putting themselves out there uh then they're kind of held to the discretion of the coaching staff right of whether or not they're going to be allowed back um if and if they're allowed back you know is, is their spot still there you know is that you know or do they have to earn it back that kind of thing um but, but we, we've seen that before with, with guys entering and then pulling you know uh, pulling out of it um you know, we and we, we from these, so the only ones that uh, of the eight that are secure so far are the two going to Louisville. We talked about Shy Wirtz, Kendrick Duncan, safety being the other. Um, he still has two years of eligibility, I believe, uh, where Shy just has the one, um, taking, you know, the, the, the extra year, if you will, the, the extra free year. Um, and uh, the other one being uh, David Spaulding, another safety going to South Carolina. Everyone else, you got Malik Murray, wide receiver; Darion Anderson, D1, wide receiver, um, both in the portal. Uh, Matt LaRoche, Speedy LaRoche, running back in the portal. I'm gonna butcher the name, Jale Zaze Jr., wide receiver uh, in the transfer portal, um, and then Reynard Ellis, which we've talked about, obviously um, opted out of the season, you know, uh, before the Georgia State game. Um, you know, linebacker, we weren't sure if he was going to come back or not. We, I don't think it was a big surprise to people um, that that ended up being the case that, that he entered the portal, but he he's there too. I, I say all this because, again, these guys could come back. So I don't want to say, like, they're done, they're out of the program permanently. They could potentially pull out of the portal, come back. Um, and, and
1: if you're wondering if this has happened before, Uh, Andrew Cunningham, before he eventually transferred, he had entered it once and came back. And then uh, Singletary, the safety, um, he had entered it the previous season and came back before he re-entered it in this year and went on to Kennesaw State. So I know of at least two instances in which that has
0: occurred in which somebody's entered the portal and then came back to the team. Yep. So. Keep that in mind. But yeah, for sure, you know, David Spaulding, um, you know, got a pick six this year. Um, Safety, you know, young safety going to South Carolina. Uh, Then you have uh, Kendrick Duncan, like I said, safety. Louisville joining Shy Wertz, um, who will be a wide receiver slash athlete um, for Satterfield there um, at Louisville. So, Everyone else, uh, it's still kind of up in the air. Um, then you have the your group that is returning. You know, uh, most of the guys are seniors um, that got that free year of eligibility, and they're taking it to return back um, to Georgia Southern. Starting with Aaron Dowdell, uh, offensive lineman J.D. King. We kind of knew about that. That was, I think, probably one of the first ones uh, that that he said. You know, obviously battling the the knee injury, had a successful surgery, going through rehab, all this. And uh, he, you know, posted on social media uh, that uh, you know he's 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 coming back. So let's hope you know he has a speedy recovery. We know how much he means to the offense and how much better that running back group will be uh, with him in the arsenal. Um, so JD King's coming back. way Jr. Um, linebacker. Uh, Dexter Carter Jr., a special teams player, also wide receiver, saw Miller Mosley connect with him, um, you know, on on a, a electrifying pass, you know, against App State. Uh, you know, unfortunately, too little, too late in that game. Yeah, I think he was the. F- he first might. One he might have been announced. the first one. Yeah, you're right. I think he was because he because he, he seemed pretty excited about what Ruse had him kinda in place, which kind of showed audience. you early on that we were leaning Ruse. That that was never really in doubt that yes. he was going to be named yeah. the permanent OC. So, um, and then finally, uh, Todd Bradley Glenn. Um, you know, this is a, a guy with a remarkable story. Um, Awesome, awesome story, story.
1: especially us awesome with the adoption thing that yeah. was oh my
0: gosh tearjerker uh, yeah. tearjerker tear tear yes. for sure um great guy talking about like shy words you know just high character guy um a guy that you just want i mean obviously we're losing um rashad bird uh and raymond johnson uh which we'll talk about here in a minute declaring for the nfl um you know the all those guys, just high character guys, guys that you want on your football team. Um, but excited to have uh, Todd Bradley Glenn back um, and what he brings to the defense, what he just brings to the team, uh, you know, in general. Um, this was a guy that unfortunately had that, you know, controversial targeting call against him and got thrown out of the game. Um, so you know, looking forward, to, you know, I know he's going to be itching to come back.
1: Yeah, and i you know, regardless of what his decision was after the bowl game. Um, we would, we would obviously support and, and cheer him on no matter what, but I am glad to see that he's coming back because, like you said, that um, may have technically been the right call for targeting, um, but, man, did you not hate to see it. Gosh, did you not yeah. hate to see it. Um, and, again, I think I, this has been – this rule, targeting rule, I think – this is just an off-track thing. We'll get back to the transfer thing real quick. Targeting call, I really wish they would really look at it over this season. Um because I think when you looked at specifically that tackle there's with nothing Riley, when the that when the obvious, ball carrier is lowering their head,
0: do. there's literally not you're yeah. you're then subjecting yourself as the defender to putting yourself vulnerable for injury by adjusting it's, your body yeah. to make the tackle.
1: And 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 it, there was no way to avoid it, and it was clearly yeah. incidental. He never Correct. meant to purposely launch or connect head to head. I hope that they couldn't either specifically this year they could go back and relook at that rule maybe see if there is any sort of a... The rep- problem is it's because it, when you open create. it up
0: to su- being subjective. To yeah. discretion. Being subject- yeah, to, being yeah. to discretion, it, 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 you know, yes, we we look at that, and obviously, you know, blue tinted glasses there. But, I mean, I think most people would say, yeah, that's incidental. That was not, you know, intent there to... Give him the 15 yards, Correct. but don't throw the yeah, ball again. Exactly, game. I, I agree. But yeah, that that's that's where it's a slippery slope is because you know it's it's you have that discretion yeah. there, and it's it based is. on the rep. And there's, there's going to be no gonna, right answer yeah, right. to it. Um, so yeah, so getting back, um, so that 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 is the list of returning. So um, you got those. And do you want to list
1: the names of those who were we got? Yes. So
0: answer. I I will get to that. Let's let's do the ones that are. Not returning, but not doing transfer portals, so declaring for the NFL, so okay. we've got uh we mentioned two of them in uh Raymond Johnson, you know, uh huge uh player for us uh, starting to get starting to get more, more publicity. I think you're you he's gonna be, you, you uh, he's gonna be a he's gonna be steal in the draft. He is going to be an absolute steal in the draft of whoever gets him. high motor. Big frame, just all over the place. The only player to wear, you know, number zero. Fun to watch that uh, this year, right at Georgia Southern. And um, but coming off the end, I mean, just explosive. Um, but he he's got the size and strength uh, to you know play at the next level. And I, I think I think you're gonna see yep. Yep. he the Hula Bowl, I believe Hula the Hawaii Bowl Hula Bowl. I think um, so. He's in that. We've got a couple players going to various uh, you know um, scouting bowl games, um, All Star bowls, if you will. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be one of those guys that starts to, like, climb those ranks, climb those rankings once you start seeing, you know, how he performs in the postseason bowls, how he performs if he gets invited to the combine, uh, if the combine happens, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff so um yeah really excited about Raymond Johnson um no real big surprise there I think uh, that he's leaving um, and I, I definitely think he's gonna get his fair shot at uh at a pro career um Rashad, Rashad bird so, yeah. linebacker again uh, just high character guy like I said um, also really great story you know we've uh, talked about like his relationship with Blake Anderson you know uh, who recently left Arkansas state um, because you know um, with both losing um, you know family members Member to uh, breast cancer, right? He's a big advocate for breast cancer awareness. Every time we do that uh, that campaign, you know, where, where everyone's wearing pink, you see him decked out in it. You know, he—I uh, believe it was his grandma that he lost—and um, just again, just high character guy, but also fantastic player. Um, you know, hate to see him go, um, but definitely think that he will get a shot too um, at, at playing playing in the pros. Uh we talked about Ryan Langan, um, you know, again, maybe not get drafted, but you know, if, if you're an NFL team out there that's looking out. for a long snapper, which there's going to be um, he's, he's a great one. Um, so like you said, never, never really had a bad snap in his career. Um, and, and that consistency is, is often overlooked, but always, you know, appreciated. So um excited for that um, as we, you know, start building just more and more Eagles in the NFL. And then finally, uh, Cam Brown, um, not declaring for the NFL, uh, tight end, uh, just deciding to hang it up in his collegiate playing career, and uh, and move on. So, um, you know, certainly don't want to overlook him. Um, you know, had some some big games, some some clutch catches for us. Had a fantastic. Yes, catch he did. In that Army yes, game. he did. Um, so yeah, so uh, you know, uh, g- good career overall, and and wishing nothing but the best for for the next steps for that young man. So, um, then we'll move to the transfers, like you mentioned. So, we t- we covered two of them, right? All right, we covered one in, in this podcast already a little bit, but obviously with our recruiting segment of our previous episode, talked about James Graham, quarterback, transfer from Georgia Tech, what he might bring to this offense. Um, he comes in along with Andrew Johnson, linebacker from Oregon, we discussed him a little bit in the last episode. Um, the new one that has come about is, um, Amari Jones, running back from Tulane, obviously playing under Fritz. He and, and Roos, Roos. yeah, correct. Uh, I believe he was recruited, uh, by Ruse. Um, and this is a guy, still got a couple years of eligibility, uh, just a sophomore, I believe, redshirt sophomore. Um, he, um, yeah, because I think he would have been a junior because he played uh, 18, 19, and 20, but he gets that extra year of eligibility. So he's yeah. um, gotten you know quality playing time um, You know, for the most part. Uh, had 389 yards on 67 uh, uh, carries uh, last year for the Green Wave, average of uh, 5.8 yards per carry, um, two touchdowns, had a long of uh, 50 yards, also had 14 receptions for 101 yards. Um, 2019... Uh his average was even better, six point one yards per carry, sixty-one carries for three hundred and seventy one yards. Um and then his uh his his first year with Tulane uh, 2018, two thousand eighteen, forty seven carries, two sixteen, um had four touchdowns um that year as well. So this is a guy, you know, he came in the same day that Speedy LaRoche left the, or or declared that he was entering the transfer portal coincidence who knows (laughs) um but you know i i I, obviously these decisions before the general public hears about them um obviously the coaching staff is in the loop uh you know and you got to think some of the players are are paying close attention to this so uh, i think it was within like an hour or two uh, you know apart that we learned that jones was transferring in and that we were losing speedy um take nothing away from speedy but you know very excited about what jones will bring to this running back group, um, he is very much like LaRoche. And the fact you know he's he's a smaller kind of frame guy, very fast, very quick um you know can catch the ball as well uh you know in 2019 he had uh, 34 receptions for 367 yards that ranks him like up there in in, in the rankings of our wide receivers right yeah. i think our yeah. our leading wide receiver this year had had around that right so um you're you're talking about a guy that can do multiple things um that i think is going to be really exciting to watch in in Ruse's kind of revamped offense
1: yeah i think so too um all three of these guys I think are going to be instant playmakers, right? You have obviously James Graham. Um I think the quarterback position is going to be between him and Tomlin. I think it's probably you know, you come in with kind of the, the the four-star thing attached to your name and being a tech, I think the position is probably yours. Yours to lose. Yeah. Um but I think it should be a pretty a pretty fun battle between him and Tomlin as to who gets. It's going to be learning the offense. I yeah. mean, you're going to have yeah. that with
0: Tomlin as well. But exactly. I mean, obviously he knows it a little bit more. He obviously knows Roos better. Um, so you know, he obviously has the le- the advantage there. Um, but yeah, it's going to be how quickly Graham can learn the offense and gel with it, um, gel with the teammates, all that kind of stuff. Um, of of who ultimately secures that position, and we could see a platooning situation. We know we Roos could, likes that. We're we,
1: yeah. we're not we're not there's <laughs> that has happened under. Ruse here before Um, The other thing Andrew Johnson Coming in the Linebacker position I think again Highly recruited Young athlete Came from Oregon Very top uh, Power five school Uh, I think he should Probably make an Immediate impact As well Um, Don't know if he'll Be the starter But definitely should Be with probably Within the two deep Easily uh, And in rotations And get plenty Of playing time Um, The young man From Tulane The running back Again our running Back group If JD King Comes back healthy Mm -hmm. Is going to be Very stacked and very competitive. I mean, you're looking at J.D. King, this young man from Tulane, Gerald Green, Jalen White, um, Logan, I think I'm Wright. Um, Logan Wright, and somebody else. Logan Wright. How can I forget him? Logan Wright, five deep, um, all plenty of experience. Um, maybe outside of Jalen White, but again, if you go back and look at some of Jalen oh, yeah. White's film that he the had talent, uh, yeah. for the few carries that he had, the talent's there. He was. I feel like there was like four or five runs that I saw in which, if the guy doesn't grab him by the shoe, yep. he's probably gone. Um. You saw the explosion of speed from Gerald Green in the bowl game. He had the big run there. Man, I'm telling you, have we lost some really good players, either from the NFL retiring or from the transfer reporter we have? But the more I look at our roster, the more I look at the talent that we brought in, I don't really see a weakness anywhere yeah, on. The we're
0: going to be just fine, and and that's that's the thing to keep in mind. Again, when you're operating in a vacuum like an eco chamber, it's easy to like hit the panic button, right? When you're when you're you know a hardcore fan of a team like we are, where you're following all the Twitter accounts and on all the Facebook groups and stuff, and it seems like for two weeks straight every day that someone is entering the transfer portal, it's easy to you know think that uh, you know the the world's on fire and and the roof's collapsing and all this, but when you look at it compared to i mean the, with eight guys in the transfer portal total that's about the average you know around seven or eight across the board with uh, all 130 teams like that that is like the average right now um you have teams with 20 yeah. something guys in the transfer portal you know um and, and you you do have some that only have a few um but but yeah we that's what, yeah so so average. so you can yeah, have we're before, right around the someplace. average and again you look at the guys that are also, you know, every piece of this puzzle, the guys that are, are taking that free year to come back to us and the guys that are coming in from the transfer portal. And we might not be done. We still have, you know, we're, we're still in recruiting mode. Right. So, I mean, we still have spots to fill. We, um, we still have the spring. Uh, you know, we can obviously bring in more high school recruits. But there there are. I, I was trying to get a number for it. I couldn't find a number for it there are a ton of people. I mean, every day there's more and more people entering the transfer portal across the country. Um, and you know, some, some are guys that maybe never got their shot. Maybe, you know, uh, what have you, some are high profile names that, you know, are are taking their free year or whatever, doing like a shy work situation, maybe whether it's more playing time, change the position, whatever. There's a ton of talent out there, uh, to choose from. Um, so if we need a spot to fill, we have that pool to pull from.
1: I will say, I will say this though the, the only one player that shocked me was uh Kendrick Duncan yes. Jr. I think that's the one head um, scratcher. That's that's the one that because you figured that with him coming back off injury, he'd probably be starting. But I will say this though if he did not enter the transfer portal and he was coming back in, in for that safety position, I think the conversation would be especially on this podcast and probably others. Would be how do you get Justin Burtzong on the yeah, field? He has to because be because that young man, all bowl team, that young man yeah, played ESPN All Bowl too team well. too Interceptions. Yep. yep. He played too well in the final half of the season, stepping up in in Duncan's position. He played too well for him not to be on the field. Next I agree year. With that. Um, and I uh, look, we wish Kinder Duncan the best. We're going to cheer for him at Louisville as well because he's a phenomenal athlete. And don't blame him one bit for wanting to go, you know, see if he go elsewhere or whatever the case may be. Um, wish him all the best. But that's the only one in which I was like, "Oh man!" Like that one, that one, I was surprised. That one kind of caught me off guard. But I'm not upset by it. I I look at that position group and I'm thinking, man, you know, Sloan has that position group stacked, and I think Birdsong will step in and fill in just fine, if not better. Yeah. I don't see any weakness. I don't see where that's going to be a, a, a oh my gosh, a gaping hole that defenses now have a, a way to exploit. Birdsong. I think he proved it, man. Yeah. I think he proved it going into the last half of the season, and especially the bowl I game. I think
0: that's the case across the board. There's going to be no drop-off. Yeah, off. I think that's the yeah. case across yeah. the board. There's v- very little to no drop-off. We might have gotten you know, uh, improvements. Possibly at at some of these positions. Yes, depth depth is an issue. I mean, de- de- you know, uh, with, with some of these,
1: but not really. I mean, wide, recei- wide receiver, wide receiver, I think
0: would would be the one that you look at with with Murray going, with D one going, uh, with Zay Zay Junior. You know, entering the portal again. These guys could come back. They haven't declared anywhere yet, but you know, we've got the talent there. Um, but I think that would be the one, especially as we look to evolve the passing attack. That would be my, that's my biggest concern at this point. I'm not discrediting anybody. I just think from a depth standpoint, yeah, we have the Caleb Hoods. Yeah, you know, um, the the, you know, that
1: I don't see why we're like, I I think
0: Dexter Carter looking forward to him getting more playing time.
1: I would say if you line up all position groups, yes, you could put that at the top, but it's not anything to be worried about.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying if I, if no, I had I'm, to be worried about one position group, it would be wide receivers uh, just because I'm of that. I'm not worry about it. Because there have been times in the past where we haven't been super deep there, I mean, for obvious reasons. Um, we're starting to build that up. You had, you know, some, some good guys. I mean, Darren Anderson, you know, highly recruited kid, you know, decommitted from Georgia coming to us, Malik Murray, you know, so wishing those guys nothing but the best if they do decide to ultimately leave the program um but you know it's it's going to afford guys like Dexter Carter Jr um more, uh, more playing time. Uh, you know, uh, some some special teams players maybe that uh, didn't really get a chance to play on offense that much. Some more playing time. We obviously are bringing in some recruits. Um, I would say, Najee Thompson. I would say, yeah, Najee Thompson. He's thank you, thank you. For some reason, his name was slipping my mind. But yes, Najee Thompson. Thank you. When uh, I was at, literally pictured him when i was saying the special teams <laughs> players because we know about the catch that he made this year um we know how you know electric he can be on the offensive side of the ball he's kind of one of those guys that's very dynamic kind of swiss army knife can do a lot of things great special teams player had all the you know the 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 block kicks um but yeah i think dexter carter jr and Najee thompson i'm of all this transpiring I'm really excited for those guys. And and I, I hope I'm right that that they get elevated and get more playing time on offense and I'm excited to and see let's what not they forget can. Forget Emil Smith too. Yep. I know he
1: didn't really get a whole lot of action as far as passes caught and yards and attempts his way, but he was on the field a lot this season. He was on the yeah. field a lot. And you know, he. I think he was also a three-star recruit coming out of high school. Yeah.
0: I will say Caleb he, Hood. Too. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Caleb Hood got. No, like, he did. He had, I'm
0: you know, just I'm just saying for guys I'm excited kind of about to yeah, make yeah, yeah, him because yeah. I think it's it's safe to say anything can happen in camp. Right. But I, I think it's safe to say, like, he's the guy like he he is a prior like our number one guy, guy, guy sure. a slot guy. But we've talked, you know, this season on the podcast of, of just like Wesley Kennedy. Getting him the ball as much as possible, you know, because he is yep. so dynamic, he's so dangerous in open space, and he can adjust his body and make crazy catches. You gotta get him the ball more. So I'm, I'm hoping we can incorporate him more as well.
1: It's gonna be a, um, there's gonna be a lot of guys who want to have the ball a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> and so I mean, James Graham. You're talking about the running backs. You're talking about you know Hood. Uh, you look at maybe Najee Thompson, Dexter Carter Jr., Smith,
0: but you got a you, got, you got a guy in Graham team. now that you know. I think for yeah. for the most part, it looks like even just basing it on stats, you know, he's he's a he's a more capable passer than than Chai Wertz was. You know, we we I, I thought the evolution well, there would I, have been a little bit more significant this season than it was. I think the shoulder injury had a lot to do with it. But this is a guy that threw for almost you know twelve hundred yards at, at Georgia Tech in the ACC, right? I mean, it, it's a guy that that. He's still got things to work and on. Want to see the completion would, percentage, uh, you know, tick up. But I mean, it's it's a yep. guy that I think that if he gets the the nod at the starter position, I think he can spread that ball around multiple ways. Pitches, um, you know, uh, he himself as yeah, a, and uh, he, yeah, and keeps yeah, he, he himself I mean, is a Yeah,
1: and let's put it this way too. Whoever's coming into that position next year has huge shoes to fill. Obviously, we just talked about what we thought of Schaubert's legacy. I think Graham. Is very capable of filling those shoes and taking our program to a to a whole nother Yeah, it's level. just how
0: quickly it's gonna like happen. How, how quickly, quickly yep. is it gonna gel? That's that's the thing for him. Is does he have the talent there and the potential? Absolutely. Just gotta realize it. Yep. Just gotta realize. I think and it's can, a perfect get position.
1: Get the, I think it, can he get the reps in with the right. receivers? You know, throwing. Can he get the reps in with a running back as far as the mesh point? His pitches. You're right. This I, is I, a guy that's gonna be the real question. This is yep. a guy
0: that signed on at Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson when he was the head coach. Obviously, that quickly was upended. Um, He he ended up starting with the final eight games of the season, I think, Um, last year. Or, I guess I should say 2019. Yeah, 2019. Um, And, yeah, threw for almost 1,200 yards. uh, You know, rushed the ball well. But a very different offense. Not what he signed up for. This is more like what he signed up for. And I think it plays to his strengths. And I think it's the next kind of evolution of of the quarterback position at Georgia Southern. Very, very excited about him and excited not just for him but and what he can bring to the offense, but how he can distribute the ball, pitching and throwing, um, to all these weapons that we just named. So
1: yeah. Yeah. And now I haven't I haven't researched this yet, but just kind of going off the top of my head, I think with him on on the team, I think that means Georgia Southern probably has the highest rated recruit at quarterback
0: in the entire conference of the Sun Belt. Probably. Yeah, I know without if a he's doubt not he's the number highest. One, then he's got to be in the top yeah, 3. Yeah, he's the highest with us ever cuz he's like 89 and change. Um, four-star yeah, four yeah. 89 and change almost 90 so i mean this is a guy who's committed to virginia tech decommitted to them signed on with johnson at, at georgia tech had offers from uga had offers from miami maryland you know i mean this is a guy that i mean a highly recruited kid can do a lot of things and then still got you know he's he's uh w- with the free year still got at least two years with him yeah I'm so excited. yeah i, th-
1: I think now granted i'll Almost every team can probably sit there and say, "Man, we got a lot of guys coming back because of the extra year of eligibility." But when I look at more in depth at who we're bringing back and who we got to replace who's leaving, I can't help but get excited about yep. next year. Same, at least personnel wise. We'll probably get into our season schedule a little bit later on. In I was going to say we move into that now, but <laughs> okay, okay, um, and we'll kind of discuss. We'll we'll get in a lot of that schedule in terms of difficulty of it, Sunbelt as a whole, improving, but at least personnel-wise, looking at it, I'm very excited about what we're bringing back and who we have to replace who we Yeah, lost.
0: so I mean, uh, uh, we can move to that. Uh, if there's anything else to cover with transfer portal, players return, I think we pretty much nailed most of that. I think we did too. So, yeah, looking ahead uh, at 2021, obviously we're going to have multiple preview episodes You know, coming back. We'll probably take... Another, like, hiatus, uh, you know, a couple weeks off. Um, If we have a spring game, obviously, you know, cover that. Uh, And then this summer, you know, start with, you know, hopefully offering some of that more exclusive content, some interviews, former players, coaches, things like that, uh, which would be exciting. But we'll get more into breaking down the 2021 season extensively, you know, in the months ahead as all these things kind of flush out that we've talked about.
1: But unless we get some crazy – highly related recruit in this February. Or a big transfer period. portal. I, I per, yeah, that's going to yeah. really,
0: truly shake up things. I don't
1: think we'll have anything really soon until probably either around or after the yep. spring game. Would I that think that is to safe saying? to say, okay. yep.
0: So, but, but high-level overview looking at 2021, um, you know, we... It shapes up to be, you know, a, a pretty fun season opening on September 4th um, at home at Paulson Stadium against FCS opponent Garner Webb. Um, that will... Hopefully help us kind of prepare. The, you got something to say about that, Garner Webb? I was gonna say that to me
1: looking at this schedule right now, that is the only game in which I'm expecting a yes. W. Yes, it's,
0: it's it's by yeah. in
1: which I look at that and say that should Correct. be a win. The other eleven games, oh boy, yep. they're they tough, and we'll get they into are. why.
0: Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so that will set us up for September 11th meeting um, at Florida Atlantic, returning the favor, um, heading there. And, uh, you know, that, you know, what we'll see what, what happens with uh, Willie Taggart, um, you know, with, uh, you know, they kind of fizzled out a little bit towards the tail end of the season, um, you know, with, with our game. And then after that, uh, you know, losing one to Southern Miss, and, you know, getting blown out by them. Um, so we'll kind of see if, if they can kind of right the ship um, and, and where they stand. That'll take us to our money game um, against SEC opponent. Uh, you know, back-to-back away games against Arkansas. Um, that's that's one that I think a lot of Eagle fans are looking forward to. Cody, I mean, it's Arkansas program that's kind of on the uptick. I mean, it obviously struggled in the SEC for a while, but they're they're turning things around. But they beat their expectations certainly for exceeded this year. their expectations this year. So if if that trend continues, they're certainly going to be a formidable opponent. It's going to be a tough place to play. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I want it as a, a full effect. I do, you know, I don't want to play in front of 3000 fans. Yep. I, I want to play in front of tens of thousands of fans in a packed house. So hopefully that's going to be the case, you know, across the board with all this that we're paying, playing in front of packed stadiums. Um, but I hope that's the case for our sec opponent. Uh, then, um, so then, uh, let's see. Yeah. So that's the first three weeks later on, our final, um, our final, non-conference opponent is going to come in towards the end of the season November 20th that's going to be a home game against uh, BYU so what could be the biggest game certainly non-conference game non-conference opponent to ever come to Paulson Stadium possibly obviously BYU yeah. off the off yeah. the season they had top 25 team top 15 team right uh they shellac UCF they are...
1: They did. They are losing their offensive coordinator and their, their obviously their starting yep. quarterback. Zach Wilson. So it will be interesting to see how they rebuild going into the next season. But yeah, you said UCF, Shellac UCF, uh lost by pretty much a yard against Coastal at Coastal on a whim of a game that they made up like three days yep. before. Um they were very well coached. They are
0: very tough. They're very... Physical. They're very much like Liberty where I think they got the short end of the stick in certain situations and, and for whatever reason they didn't become that like darling. It seemed like the media and everybody kind of like... Yeah because of who they played and, and all this, like they, they kind of just very much like Liberty where they kind of like put them on the back burner and was like, oh, that's cute. Like you're fine, you're winning games or whatever. Coastal became that darling, became that Cinderella and still got that respect at the end of the season with the final rankings, even though they um, lost <laughs> to, to, to Liberty. But yeah, yeah BYU literally. doing what they did on short notice, coming down, yeah, lo- losing by yard by a, you know, a couple inches uh, to, to Coastal and then just the rest of their resume that they put together I mean, you're, you're talking about what I think was one of the best. I know they're uh, technically not group of five, um, but what—
1: I think it—hold th- on. I think it will be the first FBS— Independent? F- —former national oh. champion to ever visit Polson because they, they BYU did. won the championship or was, you know, back in the 80s, 84, yep. 85. Yeah. Um, So that's
0: a little interesting. In a ranked team, uh, it could be the first, uh, could be the first ever uh, non-conference ranked opponent, right? Um, Yeah. So, so a lot of things to look forward to there. Um, Then you get to the conference slate. Obviously, that's not uh, shaking out, so we don't know when we're going to play who, um, but we know who we're going to be playing. So, um, you know, obviously our division: App State, Georgia State, Coastal, uh, and um, Troy and South Alabama. Troy, Um, and then. the West Division that we'll be playing is Arkansas State, Louisiana, um, and uh, and Texas State. Texas State, State yeah. I, I said, yeah. I think I, I misspoke and said yeah, South, yeah, yeah. but yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that kind of brings us to our, ne- our next point of how much better the Sun Belt got in yes. this off season um, with the coaching changes. So you know it. We have some big names, you know. You can call it like, you know, coach. You know, FBS coaching rehab <laughs> or something like that, rehabilitation, <laughs> right? Because I mean, you're you're talking about big names that have like fizzled out, but I mean, guys that can coach, like trying to trying make to make comeback. a comeback. So. And you also and you have, have up and up-and-comers. Comers. so you have this balance, right? You've got your Chadwells, you've got your Napiers, you can maybe uh, loop uh, you know Lunsford in there, um, but then you've got your you know Bush Jones, um, you know, at, at Arkansas State, uh, replacing Blake Anderson. He came from Alabama, he was a, a analyst with Alabama for a couple years after leaving Tennessee, um, had a winning record at Tennessee, right? I mean, you know, obviously. A winning record winning record he's been everywhere he's been been at Cincinnati um you know made them kind of into the power you know uh, he every yeah everywhere he's been he's been able to make or sustain success um and yeah had a winning record at Tennessee obviously things didn't end well there um but got them to uh, I think they were in a bowl game every year he was there um you know so he's a good coach um and he's built a, a really good staff do we want to talk about that or do we want to go down the the gamut of everybody.
1: I think I want to hit, but before we get too much into this, I want to hit the off conference schedule real quick or out of conference schedule real quick. Um, As much as it appears to be a very difficult one, I think we kind of catch these teams um, at a good time. So if you look at Florida Atlantic on September 11th, we play them the week after they play mm-hmm. Florida. They play Florida open season September 4th. We get them September 11th. If you look at Arkansas, we get them a very interesting time. The week before they play Texas and Arlington, I believe, and the week after they play Texas A&L. We very much could be a very, very, very interesting trap game for Arkansas, and we could probably maybe shock them, um, especially depending on the game they had against Texas the week before and if they're looking ahead to Texas a and You look at BYU – Yes, we catch them at the end of the season. I think this may be the most difficult one for us at, in actuality because they have, to start off the month of November, it's a bye week, then they get Idaho State, which is probably they're going to shellac, um, and then they get us. Uh, the thing I think about BYU that's interesting is the week after they play us, they play Southern California, I believe, at SoCal in Los Angeles. So they could also be looking ahead again, uh, to Southern Cal and, and overlooking us as well. Um n- not to take anything away to how difficult it is. I just want to kinda of give some fans some hope mm-hmm. that yes, this is a very difficult out of conference schedule. But of all, you know, the three big teams that we play, I think we really catch some of very interesting times in the season and could should at least split it two two, if not catch Arkansas or BYU off their game for looking ahead um and maybe go three and one out of conference. Gotcha. gotcha. So Anyways, all right. Go ahead for the with the conference in the in the coaching. No, team. you're Sorry. good. You're
0: good. So, um, yeah, I guess just going down um the line here. So with the next one being Louisiana Monroe, uh, Matt uh, Viator uh, being relieved of his duties, they hire Terry Bowden. You know, what one one of the Bowden sons uh, spent time at Toledo uh, was a graduate assistant. At Clemson he's like in his 60s I think he was a graduate yes. assistant for two years under Dabo Sweeney worst worst situations to be in um came from there uh going back into head coaching obviously taking over a tough situation um at Louisiana obviously you're you're dealing with financial restraints um you, they haven't had a lot of success on the field um they don't have the best facilities you know it, uh, recruiting's hard you know it, it's it's the the deck is kind of stacked against uh about in here. Um, but I mean, he, he's about in, he's had success. Um, he is putting together he's a pretty impressive staff a, staff, a pretty impressive st- staff on, on what I can only imagine as a shoestring budget. I don't know how he's been able to do it, but you know, he, he's been able to do it. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because I don't think that you can, you know, maybe not this year, um, Maybe not even the year after that. We don't don't play play them this this year. But which, you know, honestly, like, could be a disservice to us because, like, it's, I think it's going to take some time. Um, obviously, we almost lost to them this year, but, you know, I I think if we, you know, if we end up playing them next year, they're going to be better, I think, than they're going to be this year, right? I think it's going to take some time to establish that. But as long as they can get some continuity, some consistency there they have the guys in place that can bring in some recruits, maybe take advantage of the transfer portal, get some guys, you know, who felt like they got shafted and, and deserve playing time to go and just ball out, you know, in Monroe, Louisiana. Right. I think they could have a fairly quick turnaround and I don't think you can, I, I think you no longer can look at Louisiana Monroe as kind of the bottom basement dweller, laughing stock if you will of the Sun Belt conference. Like they are no longer going to be a pushover. They are no longer going to be no. And that's the thing about
1: this conference, right? If you look going back when we first joined in 2014, you had quite a few teams that you could just look and laugh at, right? Georgia State South. was one. Um South Alabama, well, when we first joined they were yeah. somewhat and then they had that little yeah, they had a little uh, spurt where they did um, I was thinking more of New Mexico yeah, State. Really, had never know. really had anything going for them. Idaho was another one that was kind of just whatever. Uh, you, I mean, and of course you had. Uh, so, you had three, four teams consistently that were just bad, 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 terrible teams. Now, folk, you know, fast forward to now. Yeah, there's going to be a team that has to finish last in each division, but that team that finishes last is not and a, they're probably not gonna be 0-12 yeah they're probably not gonna be 0-12 they're not gonna that's, that's no, the thing is like no. we
0: i'm not saying that we don't have like a vander or one, or one 11. 11, yeah they're not gonna I, be like, that bad a, a vanderbilt i don't think we have a vanderbilt anymore you know what i mean i just i just don't think we do um yeah. i you know i i think that now you know even i'm not saying that louisiana's uh, you know monroe's gonna have a winning record next year or make a bowl game. They very well may. Um, But, you know, I think they're not going to be a pushover. Again, certainly we, we as as a uh, winless team, right, we, uh you know, almost lost to them. Um, but so anything can happen. But I think that they – I think they're going to win some games next year. Um, and I think that's only going to continue upwards. Um And then
1: – Well, you mentioned the transfer portal. They already got Rich Rodriguez's yep. son to come. Yep. I was so, so that's, that the, that's awesome the big story leader. there. Yep. So that's that's they have a three star quarterback that's probably going to take the
0: yeah, Rich Rodriguez. Let's mention that. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, but bringing in Rich Rodriguez. I mean, again, resurrecting guys, resurrecting guys from the dead, right? Um, and you're talking about a guy who was like number one on a lot of people's lists, right? When he was at uh, you know, West Virginia and um, had some. Yeah, can you believe Alabama was choosing between I him know, and Nick Saban? I know. It's crazy to think. It's crazy That's to crazy think. And, and what else. would have happened? You don't know because it's it's a different you're, – you're dealt no. a different uh, hand, right? Like a, a, a different hand of cards. So, like, yep. with, you know, going – you're going to have more resources. You might have better recruits at this kind of thing at Alabama to, to turn that around. Maybe he has more success there than he ultimately had at Michigan, right? But, I mean, now he finds mm-hmm. himself – at Louisiana Monroe, and yes, people, analysts and the, you know, pundits, all this kind of stuff, are going to sit and laugh and be like, oh, how far, you know, talk about a fall from grace. But, I mean, you're t- you're talking about, again, Terry Bowden building a really impressive staff, bringing him, the guy can still coach. I mean, and, and he was in that position for a reason, right? So, I mean, yeah, he had some tough years. Well, did you
1: hear, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a, I guess, I don't know if it's a press conference or him just doing an interview or just a a, a statement. Um, a news a news conference. Um, he mentioned I think somebody asked him why was he at Clemson? Why did you know GA? And he it pretty much was him studying the way that Clemson did did run it yeah. the program, specifically specifically the weight room and strength and conditioning. He's gonna try to copy as much of that, if not all of it, as possible at yeah. Louisiana Monroe. So and again, you 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 think of things in which how do you build the your football program the the right way? And it starts with strength and conditioning. That has to be a top tier, you know, within your program. And then also to offensive and defensive lines. Um, and then you kind of go from there with your your skilled athletes and your quarterback. So, obviously, the strength and conditioning is going to be a focus. To me, I think you got to look at his offense and defensive lines, how he builds that out. Um, I think he will probably be able to recruit the athletes. But if you don't dominate the trenches, you are going to have a very difficult time right. winning football games. So, we'll see how that... Translates at ULM, but you're right. This, this Terry Bowden is not some just you know. Is it? Is it a surprise hire? Is it a interesting hire? Is it one that you and I think is either going to go great or go terrible? Y- yes, but the potential. It's not just a small potential. But the potential is there for him to really. If turn you're the ULM
0: administration at Louisiana Monroe, this is a slam dunk why not? hire. I mean, this is yes, just fantastic. Yes. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, yeah, is exactly why not. I mean, they they were you know, on the brink of possibly dropping down to FCS. I mean, just from the financial standpoint and all this. So if this is your last-ditch effort to, like, try to pull something out of the grave and save David. this program, this is the way to do it. You bring in Terry Bowden, you bring in Rich Rodriguez, you bring in Rodriguez's son from uh, Arizona, and, and you— I
1: haven't even mentioned the defensive coordinator he brought in, which is the youngest coordinator yep. in all of football from Boise State. And you're talking about a guy in in, 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 in 20, that
0: knows yeah, everybody. I mean, he know he has so many connections. Where if he can get that buy in, he's going to get those young guys, and he's going to get those old guys with that history and get that blend of, of different philosophies and experiences, mm-hmm. all in one. And you could create something pretty special, you know. And and now the, you know the 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 key here is going to be retaining. Right, I think the key here is going to be if they have some semblance of success, being able to retain these guys. If Louisiana Monroe all of a sudden, let's say they just turn into a, a 500 team, right? You know, they're 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 six and six or you know five and seven, but they put up like crazy offensive numbers. Rich Rodriguez is probably getting a job somewhere. You know, like he he's he, he's probably getting he's going to have offers anyway. Or Terry it Terry
1: yeah. I mean, if you if you see if you see that and you're let's just say like Purdue. not University even that. Let's just
0: or, let's just say a G five uh, like a higher G five. Let's say you're let's say yeah. UCF decides to go a different That's direction. Kind of yeah, let's say Memphis is yeah. like, or let's say uh, you know Luke Fickle gets hired away from Cincinnati, and it's like we need someone to lead. Who do we uh, who do we bring? I don't know. Why not Why not Terry Bowden? You know, or why not Rich Rodriguez? Yeah, exactly. Only. So that's my thing. Is like they the bar is so low there that if they have some semblance of success, they're going to have suitors. They're going to have callers. Um, so yep. that's that's their mm-hmm. biggest concern is is just retainment If they have that success, but if they can retain, and I don't think you know, I don't think those guys are going to be. I mean, Terry Brown is going to retire eventually. Um, you know, Rich Rodriguez isn't a spring chicken. You know, so like you uh, sooner or later these guys will move on. You're not going to keep them for ten years. But if you can hang on to them for three years. Like you could build something fairly special, you know, at Monroe and yeah. and 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 kind of resurrect that program.
1: Um, so, so I think you have the 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 crazy coaching experiment down there in Louisiana Monroe. I think you have the Alabama mini Alabama experience in in Arkansas State yes. with Butch Jones. And I think how many Alabama assistants did he take? I know he had Quan, yep. right, the former player here. He took. I think he had a couple of more that he took with him to Arkansas State as well. Um, what the South Alabama one? Now, South Alabama is going to be like
0: a mini higher. Indiana, which is a team that we saw emerge, you know, as a, a Big Ten power, um, you know, this year to a lot of people's surprise, and they have this, you know, LEO love each other, you know, mentality, um, and you know, Kane Womack, um, the, the their defensive coordinator at Indiana, he's going to bring in that same kind of mentality and philosophy and you know i've watched a couple videos and interviews and stuff with him i really like the guy um you know i think he definitely has that kind of demeanor that likable factor right that um that you see uh in indiana right um I i think that he that's the perfect I think all I think all three of these uh, coaches changes that we've talked about so far are slam dunks. I think for the their particular situation, I think yeah. they're slam dunks. And for South Alabama, you're talking about another team that just they've had some success more than Louisiana Monroe in in the same amount of time, right? But they just haven't been able to get over that hump. They were kind of like Coastal Carolina. They would they would get bowl eligible, not get a bowl game, maybe get a bowl game, kind of fizzle out. You know, never really be a contender. Um, so they want to move. Yeah. Or start off – or have like a weird season. What was it in
1: 2016 in which they beat Mississippi State and then they went out to San Diego when yeah. San Diego was ranked and they beat them, but they finished 500, went to a bowl game and got blown out. It, they had like a weird schedule in which they went like 2-6 and six in conference but like 4-0 and zero out of conference and finished 6-7. and seven. Yeah, so you're right. They've been – you're talking a really about a
0: young program, program still, right? And in FBS standards, young program, yep. great facilities. Just built on, just built great on facilities. on campus uh, stadium. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful and indoor indoor practice 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 facility facility. which is big which is something that we should have on our short list at georgia southern that we should have info about soon hopefully and we'll be talking about that in a you know future episode um but but yeah the facilities are there they're obviously willing to spend money i think he's the right guy energetic guy players coach the love each other thing i think it's just easy to buy into i think they're brought in a great great offensive coordinator coordinator, um in uh
1: Major Apple, Major wipe, Apple yeah. so yeah,
0: uh, so used to be at Houston. Also spent, spent time, time in Alabama. Alabama. Um, yeah, uh, uh, orchestrated great offenses at, at Houston. Um, so this is danger. I mean, Louisiana Monroe, I, I'm not taking anything away from Butch Jones in um, Arkansas State, but, I mean, Louisiana Monroe and especially South Alabama, out of all these, I honestly think South Alabama scares me the most as far as the amount of progress that they can make in the shortest amount of time. That that that's what yes. that, I I honestly think South Alabama could go, you know, turn things around quickly and be a contender as early as next year, especially in that West Division. Um, could be a, a 21 yes. Coastal, right? I really All think they the could. Kind of I, I think they could be the Cinderella of, of, of next season. I do. Yep. Um, especially in 2022. You know, uh, you know, give it a year. But but uh, yeah, I, I think biggest turnaround. I think, you know, with Butch Jones, yeah, he's in, inheriting a four-win team at Arkansas State, but this is a team that had, what, seven straight winning seasons under Blake Anderson. Um, went to, like, yeah, what seven straight like bowls. That. like I think one of the longest streaks in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they've got the talent there. They've also got great facilities. They've got money money um, they're in a good recruiting location um, they you know can recruit with the Arkansas of the world I think you know I, like they they, they are they're there um, they're kind of a long Belt power so I think he inherits a really good situation where where they can easily flip that script and and, and be a above 500 you know contender in the west next season Ulm, I think it's going to take a little bit longer, but I definitely think they're not going to have another uh, 0 and 12 season. Like I I think it's just, I think it's safe to say with Terry Bowden and Rich Rodriguez, I just don't see them going 0 and 12 again. Um,
1: I don't see it either. Now they may go 2 and 10, but they'll be be, an improved team that's going to be competitive. Um, I think we have to get into why we're kind of stressing this so much. Is that the Sun Belt in and of itself has improved greatly, Um, and there's stats to prove it. You have, what, SP+, Plus, which is a very analytical thing that Bill Conley does at ESPN that kind of stacks um, not only teams against each other to kind of show comparative how all teams are um, to kind of give more of an analytical ranking mm-hmm. to each team, uh, but he also does it with conferences and divisions. And I think that's something that we need to point out is that the Sun Belt finished as the second-best group of five conference this past football season within that ranking. And on top of that, our division, the Sun Belt East finished as the top group of five division yep. with those rankings. So, you know, this conference is improving greatly among coaching staffs and among players being recruited, the athletes that are coming in, and the competition. I don't think it's hard to say that 2021, we could find ourselves in a situation which is Sunbelt and the American Conference are being talked about as who's the best group yep. of five no, conference.
0: No, I agree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, th- I think this cements it because and again, yeah, as long as we you, have that me. balance between the young guns, and then sooner or later Napier's going to leave, right? Uh, uh, Chadwell's going to get a job, yeah. but there's going to be another, you know, the, probably an, either another young gun that comes in, or you have another Butch mm-hmm. Jones, you know, you have another guy that comes in that yep. is looking to kind of like, you know, get a get a redo, get a revamp of their career, and, and come in. Yeah, I think it's
1: I think it's safe to say that the Sun Belt is not a, a laughing stock of college football. It's or no longer an afterthought. Oh, twenty twenty did a great no, service to the Sun
0: Belt. It did it more so than yep. any other conference. I think. I think it helped magnify and springboard the Sun Belt conference. Now we had to like it gave us an inch and we took a mile kind of deal. Um, but like we we rose to the occasion. But with the national TV games we got, the exposure we got, having other teams start later in the year other conferences, having uh, you know a lot of cancellations of games of the power five games and stuff. It gave us a platform to prove ourselves. It gave us, you know, uh, you know, in that or those early weeks with the the three straight wins against Big Twelve teams, gave us that platform to, to show what we can do as a conference. the The bowl games did it, um, you know, almost going undefeated thank you, Coastal, um, you know, in, in in bowls. But you know, I I we. It was a perfect storm, 2020 was, of giving the Sunbelt the exposure it needed, and we capitalized on opportunity. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I think, yeah, I think we're easily, you know, the... Second best conference in Group of Five, I think we push, you know, especially when you're talking about our top teams, especially if what we just talked about flushes out and our bottom dwellers get better. Even if they get 500 better or a little above 500 better, I think all of a sudden you start from top to bottom putting us in the conversation with the American as, as, as the top G5 conference. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, just r- really excited. But,
1: yeah, I think... That's why looking at next season that it is probably the most difficult schedule we have top to bottom, even when it comes to conference play. Because every team we play in conference play now is not a gimme. It's not to be overlooked. It's not to be disrespected. Um. And if we don't come to play, even for one yep. game, we're going to get shellacked. No, I agree.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's no longer a gimme in the Sunbelt Conference. Symbols that no longer a gimme. So, all right, with that, Cody, I guess, uh, wrapping this thing up and I think we can maybe keep it to under two hours. So look at us, um, with, uh, (laughs) just kind of overall thoughts on, you know, the season that was, um, I mean, you know, this, this more so than the 2021 preview, this is more kind of like a recap retrospect of the season that was, you know, finishing eight and five, obviously not where we wanted to be. Um, but you know, a lot of, Good things, a lot of positives, a lot of building blocks, um, you know, here. So, I mean, just kind of closing thoughts on that. I was going to say
1: is that it is um, one to always remember. Um, the adversity we overcame was was, was phenomenal. Uh, we just to get 13 games in is it just says so much about the players, coaching staff, administration um, to keep everyone healthy. And not only their the players and the coaches have healthy but their families and and everything that goes along with that uh to me, the record may not show it, but it's definitely one of the more prouder seasons or one of the uh
0: proudest seasons that we should have as a university yeah, and again a playing team. thirteen games uh what only um Alabama was the only other Alabama. team to do do that, and uh, you know they needed the two playoff games uh, to to accomplish it. So, huge accomplishment across the board. Everyone involved: doctors, training staff, players for buying in, coaches for buying in, um, you know, athletic uh, director, administration, everybody. Um, just you know, fans uh, for doing you know doing right. Uh, the ones that made it out to the games, right, and and, and traveled and all this kind of stuff. So, um, looking forward to hopefully getting everything back in full effect in 2021 and hopefully we can kind of take that next step, um, as a program and, and get there in the, in the conference championship game, um, be there, you know, uh, in the national spotlight, like Costa was this year, you know, hosting college game days, things like this. That's where we want to be. I think we're well positioned to be able to do it. We just gotta, like, like I just said, we just, uh, you know, gotta capitalize on it. We gotta take it. So, um, with that, Cody, um, again, thank you for everyone for listening, uh, this entire season. We'll take another break, at least until around the spring game. Um, and then we'll kind of ramp things back up, um, as we normally do for, um, for what will be our fourth season. It's crazy to think about. And, um, and our, our third uh, calendar year kind of anniversary of starting this thing. Again, thank you so much for the support, whether this is the first time you've listened to us or you've listened to every single episode. Um, you know, I don't even know what how many episodes we're up to now, but, um, it you know, th- throughout these last three seasons, thank you so, so much. Again, um, spread the word. Tell anyone that you think would like this, anyone that bleeds blue and white, let them know about us. Um, If you want to know more ways to help, you can reach out to us on social media. You can reach out through email, gotta talk podcast at gmail.com. If you want to go that step further and donate to us, we certainly appreciate that as well. Um, PayPal, gotta talk podcast at gmail.com. You can search Got to Talk. You can also find a link uh, to it with a donate button on our homepage, g a t a t a l k dot kcom so, yeah, just thank you again so much to everyone for your support over this season, which has been a hard season for everybody. Let's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, recording a podcast, a lot of work, doing it with a pandemic, doing it with everything else, with the world being crazy as it is. Um, it's a lot of work, but we appreciate you writing um, this out with us and looking forward to the future. Yes. Thank you all so much. And as always, Hail Southern, Map. Hail Southern, Cuddy. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, GataTalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at GataTalkPodcast
1: at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, Gata and Hail Southern. I'm